Sometimes, the best stories in golf aren't found on tour. You'll find them at the back of the range. And now, your host, Ben Adelberg. Welcome to the Back of the Range Golf Podcast. I'm your host, Ben Adelberg. We're at even par. This is episode 72. Hard to believe that we are already in the month of May. This year is absolutely flying along, but thankfully, the summer is almost here. That means more daylight and more golf for me. Don't worry, you're still going to get a weekly episode each and every week, and we have some amazing interviews lined up all summer long. I want to start giving away more swag. We have hats, we have alignment sticks, we have towels. I got to get this stuff out of here because I have new stuff coming in. So keep following on Instagram at the Back of the Range podcast. We're on Facebook, we're on Twitter. You know, the easiest way for me to get this stuff out of here and send it to you is for you to leave a review in Apple Podcast. When you do that, screenshot it, send me an email or post it online, tag us, and I will get some stuff out of here and send it to you. Just my way of saying thank you for following and listening to the Back of the Range. Before we get started this week, I need to send out some congratulations to some of our previous guests and friends of the podcast. It is always great to see the mojo working its magic. Colin Morikawa, senior at Cal, won the individual Pac-12 Conference Championship recently. Our friends over at Stanford picked up the team title. Additionally, the juggernaut, that is the Oklahoma State University men's golf team, they won a Big 12 Conference Championship, so congrats to Coach Bratton and Hovland and Wolf and Eckroat and all the guys down there. Finally, our friends in the Big 10 Conference, Coach Mike Small from Illinois picked up Coach of the Year, as well as his team winning another conference championship at Philly Cricket. So congrats to all them. You know, NCAA regionals are right around the corner, as well as the national championship, so so definitely stay tuned for that. For those of you that follow mid-amateur golf, you'll know that this past weekend in South Florida, the Coleman Invitational was held at the prestigious Seminole Golf Club. This is definitely one of those mid-am majors held every year. Many of our previous guests were there to participate. Chip Lutz, Gene Elliott, McCoy, Stuart Hagestad, Matt Parziali, just to name a few, they were all there this past weekend. Our guest this week won the event for the first time in 2017. He got his name listed on the wall with the other champions, most notably his father, Bill, who was able to win a couple senior division titles in the 90s. Well, Scott Harvey now has two Coleman titles to his name. He is the 2019 Coleman Invitational Champion, and he joins us this week at the back of the range. As you'll hear in this episode, Scott has been able to play and win in many of the top amateur events in the country. He's also played internationally. He's won the South American Amateur. He is the 2014 U.S. Mid-Amateur Champion, and he's represented the United States at the Walker Cup in 2015. The other thing that you'll learn in this episode is that Scott is a family man from Greensboro, North Carolina. He is just as comfortable cracking open some beers and talking trash on the golf course as he is making a 12-footer on the greens of Augusta National. So let's get started. Scott, welcome to the back of the range. How are you, sir? Yeah, doing good, man. Thanks a lot. Appreciate you having me on. Absolutely. Well, you know, the thing I love about having these great elite amateurs and and great professionals on the podcast is, you know, they they make sure they are all prepped and ready to record this episode where they cannot be distracted by anything. A lot of people just kind of hole up in their home office or they get into a nice cozy corner of their country club. Scott, where are you calling from today? 
<laughs> I'm in a Cracker Barrel parking lot in Greensboro, North Carolina. Yes, yes. <laughs> man, I I got to get Mama's pancakes, man. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let, before we get into some serious stuff about you playing the Masters and playing the Walker Cup, what is your go-to order at Cracker Barrel? And they are not a sponsor yet, just so you know. So you know, do your best here. No, that's fine. It's Mama's Pancakes. You got to get Mama's Pancakes and, and about three gallons of syrup and a sweet tea, and then uh, that's my sugar high for about a month. Dear God, dude. <laughs> You're going to just take a nap right in the right in the booth. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god i love it that's I love awesome it. well uh you had a hell of a weekend i know you just got back from from uh from the coleman i know you've won there in the past this is your i think second win in three years you had your first one in 2017 you know for most people that don't know some of the higher level amateur events in the country you know there's the thomas that you've won you've, you've medalist to the crumb cup but this one really does hold a little bit of a special uh, place in your heart i know that you're your, your father was a two-time senior division champion there. Um, I want to ask about how you got started in the game and, and a lot about uh, you know your, your father's legendary career. But the one thing that this kind of ties into is how do you focus on the task at hand of tournament golf and not allow your mind to get cluttered with the, the, the results or the rewards or things that could happen if you win? You know, that's a really good question. So uh, I, I would say experience is, is, is key because I, what I did was I had a, lo a lot of close calls at a lot of different tournaments and, and I let those things overtake me, you know, the emotions and the, and, you know, the thoughts about results and this and that and the other. And, and when that happens, it, you get in your own way. Yeah. And, and so what I learned was, okay, you know, I've done it that way and started thinking about the outcome and, and that obviously didn't work a bunch of train wrecks. So let's try it the other way and just play the game and see what happens. And, and, uh, and, and that, you know, you just learn what to do in the situation. You learn how to think, how to play. And you also learn what not to do and, and, um, and, and just experience it, you know, being there, it, it, it just means a lot and, and it's easy to draw on. So you're you're just thinking a lot about process and trying to pick out as many details as possible about the upcoming shot, whether it's lie, wind, uh, you know, distance, things like that. So you're just kind of focusing on that just to kind of basically just shut out all the other crap, so to speak, out of your head. Exactly. You know, um, so just to give you an example. Yeah, so absolutely. please do. Yeah. So 2017 um, at the Coleman and down at Seminole, I, that, that was the one tournament that I'd wanted the most. I mean, I really wanted that one bad because it was this really special place to my father. Me and him were so close. Um, and, and, and that locker room, his name being, being up there and just, you know, I wanted mine, mine up there with him so bad. And that, and I'd already learned by this point, two years ago, I'd already learned what not to do, you know, like as far as the letting emotions and, and thinking about the outcomes and all that stuff, I've already learned all that, but it was, it was really hard not to let that come into my, my mind on the last hole. And I'm standing in the middle of fairway thinking to myself, I've got a, a four shot lead it's on the 18th hole. I'm in the middle of fairway and, and I, and I've finally done it. And, and, but the reality was it's not over. And, and anybody who's ever played there, those last, especially the last two holes, anything can happen. And sure enough, I made a triple bogey uh, because I let my emotions come over me. I mean, I was in tears just, just thinking about the outcome before it even happened and yeah. got ahead, got ahead of myself and, and almost cost myself the, uh, the championship because of it. 
Yeah, I, I remember reading about that triple bogey, and I, I I mean, is that just the sickest feeling I think you've probably had in a golf course? It's got to be up there. It was, you know, it was okay because I it, I had four shots to to, to uh, a four shot lead, and I, I I had three shots to give, and I used all three okay. all three of them. <laughs> <That's a tie. laughs> but 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 yeah. it was it it was it was like a bittersweet thing. But you know, for me, this one was like a validation almost, sure. you know, it was like, um, you, you know, I held strong and, and there was no give up and, and, um, and played really just solid. So it was a little bit of a validation this week. Absolutely. Well, that's, that's great. Congrats on that. You know, you mentioned your father, historic career in the Carolinas. I think he played term of golf for about 40 years. And I mean, what is it? 18 or, or 18 U S amateur championships he played and he's in multiple halls of fame. And the thing that I love when I get, uh, you know, elite amateurs on the podcast is asking how they got into the game. And there's the, the gamut of stories and, uh, you know, growing up at a country club or not playing or playing baseball as a kid and then finding golf. But, um, your dad ran a, ran a standalone driving range in Sedgefield. So, um, yep. I mean, that's standalone driving ranges are kind of becoming few and far between. In fact, they built a, I think they built a highway through that. And, and so it doesn't exist anymore, but, Tell me about your start in the game, just growing up at a standalone driving range, just hanging at your dad's range. Yeah, it was it, it was pretty cool, pretty unique upbringing in the sense of um, uh, my father, like you said, was just so powerful in the in the in the, in the game of golf and 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 uh, especially in the Carolinas, but really everywhere. And and um, I was always around the game, and everywhere I went as a kid, you know, it was a big deal. People would come up to him and it, you could just tell he was just this, you know, I didn't quite understand it when I was a little kid. Right. right. It was like, it, but you just knew, you just felt the importance of his presence. And, and, um, and, and, you know, I got to witness a lot of things and I got old enough to carry that big, huge bag that he had, you know, had, and, and, and I caddied for him a little bit. And, and then, um, you know, the driving range was about five or 600 yards from my house. So I rode my bike back and forth to that oh, thing. Man daily and hung out there of course he made me pick up balls by hand every single night but that's that's a whole nother story but uh you know I, my whole life my whole childhood was was sitting around that driving range hitting balls hanging out with my dad and, and kind of his old cronies and listening to them tell stories after stories and i mean that it was sort of a tin cup range if yeah. you will um, and and just 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 a really cool environment and uh you know i played golf with those those older guys on the weekends and, and just, I wouldn't trade it for anything in the world, honestly. What was the, I mean, looking back, obviously it's character building and I'm sure you do that, do, do similar things with, with your son now, but I mean, what's, what's the worst job you, you had at the driving range? I mean, I'm sure you did everything, but what's, what's the one that was like, Oh dad, come on, man, I got to do that. Yeah. Well, it, it was really just the, the, the Friday nights when, it, when, you know, you want to hurry up and go to the high school football game or go out with your buddies or just whatever it is. Yeah. And it's, it's, and he, dad was like, he was adamant. Like you, you, you get your ass out here and you're picking up balls. <laughs> you, we had a five gallon bucket in one hand and like a half a broomstick with a, with a bean can screwed into it on the end of it. We literally picked up one by one, oh. scooping them up into a bucket every, every night. And, uh, you, you know, it was, uh, like you said, character building and taught me a lot about responsibility. And when you say that, it was the one thing that you don't like doing. I, I didn't like doing it because I had something else to do or something yeah. else I wanted to do, but, uh, I wouldn't trade it for anything. I mean, that was just more bonding time with my dad. 
We uh, we probably can't get into every character you ran across in your childhood at that driving ranch <laughs> because there are pancakes waiting for you. But um, what what is can you even share just like one character that stood out? Like you said, a ten cup range. You got the guy that's you know you know betting on uh, which you know which crow's going to fly off the fence next and things like that. But like, it, can you just think back to like just one person that was always at the range that you're like, man, I'm never going to forget this guy for as long as I live. Yeah, I got, I mean, it, like you said, there's probably several and I could talk for three weeks about it, but yeah. there, there was, there was one guy who stood out among the rest and he, his name was Tom and God bless his heart. He, he, you'd walk in and, and he'd be sitting there and, and you say, Hey Tom, how you doing? He said, well, how the hell am I supposed to be doing? I mean, that that's kind of his response. And then, then he would, uh, somebody would be out there hitting balls that he knew and he, he'd go, <laughs> he'd go grab a BB gun. Oh, this is getting good. <laughs> and, yeah, and 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 the guy started taking his club back, and he would shoot the ball. <laughs> wait a wait a minute, wait a minute. Yeah. So he's he's hitting balls. He take and he'd shoot the ball with the BB gun. He'd shoot the ball with the BB gun, and the ball would move, and he'd miss the ball. <laughs> oh my god! All right, now I understand. I think I have a glimpse now, and everyone else says what kind of a range you grew up at. So, so not oh, it was fantastic. Not exactly pyramids of pearly white Pro V ones, and uh, yeah. So, no. Oh wow. No, we had we had the balls that you could hit cuts and draws in the same shot. You know, some. Oh yeah. Some, yeah, some balls are good, but some balls might might be fairly slick. The worst job I ever had was at a golf ball company that reclaimed old golf balls out of ponds, and they would scrub them, repaint them white, and I actually ran a machine that put the red stripes on golf balls. Yes, I've done that. You've done that? I've done that, yeah, at the range, absolutely. Yeah, where you sit there and it goes it goes back and forth, and you t- you got to time it right, get the ball off the the the. Yep. Pr- yeah, yeah. Well, that that that'll suck a few brain cells out of your head doing that for about four <laughs> or five hours a day. <laughs> well, I didn't have the patience to sit there too long. I, I think I, I did it as a kid. And I probably lasted about ten minutes. So yeah, I <laughs> but I've done it. <laughs> I, yeah, it's an off that that is probably the worst job I think I've ever had in my life because that is just yeah. a brain suck of a job. Um, well, we we got to move on from these driving range stories, but man, I would love to 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 talk again about that. But I want to ask you. So we have Florida in common. I know you just came back, but you know you played collegiately one year at uh, at West Florida up in Pensacola. Um, I bet you've never heard many people ask you about any exploits you might have had in Navarre Beach, but I could share some Navarre Beach stories with you. Nice. I know. So, um, But here's my question. You played one year there. You went back to, to North Carolina. You played at High Point. You know, you played the mini tours for a little bit. You got your amateur status back. I bet there are hundreds of guys that have a similar story. Played a little bit at college at maybe a school not many people knew about. Tried the mini tours, banged it around for a little while. Um, but then you get your status back and accomplish all these great things like winning the U.S. US Mid-Am and qualifying for U.S. Open. When did things actually start clicking for you after you got your status back? Because your story is pretty common. Like I said, it's a couple of mini tours and things like that. Yeah. When did things click? You know, it, it's it, it really what happened was um, just to kind of, yeah. back up for a really quick second into yeah. this. So I, I was playing mentor golf and, and, and I was, I was doing okay. I was holding my own and, and my money was fine. You know, I wasn't running, go, going through the money. I, I wasn't 
making money, but I wasn't losing money. I was just kind of hanging around and uh, I was sustaining and, but I wasn't having any fun. Like golf, golf wasn't as fun as I knew it could be. And as, as it used to be to me, is that, if that makes any sense. Yeah. So, uh, and the traveling and, you know, the, I don't mind traveling, but when it's like, you know, five, six weeks in a row and you come home and, you know, you don't even really know your friends anymore. And it's just it, that, that just the whole thing together, but wasn't any fun. So I got my AM status back and, um, and, and started to play in a couple of amateur events and, and it became fun again. And, and, and really it just, the love for the game was reignited and, and, and that's really all it took, honestly. And, and then going through a little bit of, um, uh, you know, had a couple of close calls and kind of, kind of relearned what I already knew as far as, um, what we talked about earlier with the emotions and how to win and how to compete and what's good and what's not and this and that and the other. And, and, um, and, 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 you know, one, it took one little, one little, uh, win to to get me, to get me off and running. And and then I just kind of just kept progressing every year since. So it's really just a rig, rig, uh, getting, finding that love for the game again, if you will. You know, the other thing I wanted to talk about is you've been so successful at this elite amateur events you know like the thomas and the crump and the coleman and you know these are events that probably just about every single amateur that's listening to to this podcast or every amateur in it in all corners you know they're probably not going to be able to play in these events so instead of talking about some of these elite events that maybe people aren't as connected to what's your normal weekend game like what are some of the local maybe hit and giggle events that that you play in that that everyone listening can kind of relate to uh, I tell you what, my favorite. That's a great question. So, uh, I don't play. I don't play much on the weekends. I like my son's. I'm helping coach his basketball team, and and uh, and and he's into golf too. So I'm just kind of hanging out with the family on the weekends. But uh, my favorite thing are these charity events. Um, you know, you get to get your buddies together, get a cooler of beer, and a Bluetooth radio thing, and go out there and blare music, drink beer, and just talk trash to everyone. And just I- I'm telling you right now, that is the most fun ever i just love that and people call me i don't even know and i'm just like absolutely i'm coming let's play i <laughs> I, I i love it i'm absolutely in love with doing those things and going out there and doing that and and, and to me that's where pace to play doesn't matter because I, I we could be out there for eight hours and i'm sure. okay with, <laughs> in that environment <laughs> so let me just make sure i understand what you just did here on this podcast a u.s mid-amateur champion walker cupper just basically said that um, if you have beer, uh, you'll travel and you'll be a scramble partner. <laughs> Got it. Okay. Amen. You can put me down. All right. Perfect. I, I'm going to get you a whole <laughs> schedule of things you're coming down to Florida for. So don't you worry. Um, wow. I uh, didn't expect that answer. So, uh, all right, well then let me ask you this question. You've played all these great courses. You've, you've been to Pine Valley, you've been to Seminole, you've been to LACC and obviously Augusta national has been crossed off your list because you got to play the 2015 masters. Uh, due to your your 2014 U.S. Mid Champ uh, Championship, so what's on your bucket list now? Like, what courses do you want to check out? What would like? Is, is there a dream buddy golf trip that you want to go on? You know, that's a another great question. So, um, I before last year, Pebble Beach was like the one spot that I had not been. I always wanted to go to, and then they had the U.S. Amateur there, so I got to play that, which was yeah. incredible. Yeah. And then, and then now it's, I was, I'm, I'm thinking about these places and, and, you know, Bandon seems like a really cool place. So yep. 
but I'm getting to go ne- next next month for the four ball there. Yeah. So really, everything in the United States um, it, that that's on my list will be checked after next month. Wow. Uh, the only thing that I'm wanting to do is get a big group and uh, and go over to Scotland and play some of the open courses. I, um, that is, uh, I've I've been able to do that, and that is, uh, it's it's quite an experience. Yeah, the, the, I, I mean, I would love to talk about that one time. I, I I tell you, I just I don't know. It just seems like it'd be so neat to get a big group, you know, hang out, play golf, drink some beers in the evening, tell some stories, and then do it again every day. And just it just seems really really cool. Yeah, and one other place you should check out is Cabot up in Nova Scotia. Cabot, oh, really? Cabot is worth it because it's. Uh, Super easy to get to, and also there's no time zone change uh, like you're going to deal with with Bandon. But you just basically shoot up the East Coast, and it's uh, it's incredible too. So it's and it's a core Crenshaw. It's it's kind of like the Bandon of the East, so to speak. That's fairly new, right? Yeah, and it's I was there last year, and it's it's incredible. Nice, nice. I have to to look at that one. Yeah, Nova Scotia is a beautiful place, from what I understand. Yep, and you could just shoot up, and that was like the running joke. It's like a three-hour drive from Halifax to to Cabot to up to Inverness, and that was the running joke. I'm like, it's not hard to get to. My buddies are like, dude, it's three hours in a car. I'm like, yeah, that's nothing. Don't worry about that. (laughs) Three hours in a car is nothing. Um, Well, but but you've been over. You've been over to uh, the UK to play. So you know, like I said, you're 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 US Mid Am champion. Uh, got you into the 2015 Masters and would have to think that that really led to you being selected for the Walker Cup team. Um, <laughs> you partnered with Mike McCoy, who was a previous guest here at the back of the range. Uh, you got to give me an Uncle Mike story. Uncle Mike, I'll tell you what. <laughs> I love the guy. I really do. We call him the mayor, by the way. Uh, oh, so, so okay. We're, yeah, we're down in, uh, down in South America, um, the, in 2015 is in January of 2015. And we're both trying to make the Walker cup team. The USGA sends me and him to represent the United States and also sends two girls. They have a women's division too. Yep. And, uh, whatever. So we're down there playing in, in, uh, in Peru and, uh, and Mike likes to enjoy a cigar. <laughs> yes, he does. <laughs> yeah. So, and, and the guys all the time, he's so good. And, and, uh, everywhere you go, Mike, walks around he's got the cigar in his mouth and you just you, if you didn't know any better you think he's running the whole place it didn't matter where you were if you were at a restaurant a golf course a, uh, a, a shop he just walks around with that cigar and he's look. he just, just looks like he's in charge of everything so we call him the mayor and um and there couldn't be a more classy guy than him he is he would rather talk about everyone else than himself and he'll put you before him he's just an all-time great guy from the walker cup uh, they wouldn't let them smoke cigars though. <laughs> oh, well now I, now I know why we lost. I, I <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I, I'm, I'm thinking that was definitely not a positive effect, but, but, um, they just, for whatever reason, uh, recommended strongly that he did not smoke cigars because it was, I guess maybe a bad look or something, which everybody kind of disagreed with, but you know, Mike being Mike, he just went, you know, he just didn't want to ruffle any feathers. He went along with the flow and and that was it. But Mike, you know, the sort of a almost like a video game character, right? With that cigar walking around. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I love the guy. I just saw him last week. Spent some time with him. Um, um, so yeah, I, I, the mayor. The mayor is one of my favorite. Yeah, you. Uh, so you mentioned, you know, obviously Walker Cup. You know, I looked at the last thirty years since about nineteen eighty nine. It's been actually very very close. It, normally, the we went on our soil. They went on their soil. I think both teams had a 
couple runs of two or three wins in a row. You know, it seems like it's completely different than the Ryder Cup and, and you know, the President's Cup because those are kind of dominated for for lack of better term by, by one side. But what yeah. what is it about the Walker Cup that kind of makes it so competitive for where both teams, it seems like it's kind of a coin flip every year? I think the level of play um, on the – GB and I side has, has come along so much. Okay. I think, I think Tiger Woods, uh, shooting into the, into the game, like he did really kind of everybody all golf all over the world really got way more popular. And, and I think they have, uh, you know, in the early years, the Walker cup was dominated by the United States and, and, uh, and, and, and when Tiger came along, I just, I just believe that, you know, golf everywhere is is much more prominent than it used to be and uh and their level of play over there is is really good and and what what i'm noticing is we pretty much lose when we go over there and they pretty much lose when they come over here yeah that's pretty much it and 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 uh it's going to be competitive for a long time i mean they're they're um there's some great players everywhere man no matter i went to japan for example um for the japan amateur in 2015 and I didn't know what to expect, and I got to tell you, I mean, all of those guys can play. Every one of them, they just don't get to get out and show it much. Right. They don't. They don't get the opportunities. So golf everywhere is, man. There's some great golfers. Good gracious. <laughs> um, I'm not going to ask you about the uh, frequency of Cracker Barrels in Japan. I'm just going to go ahead and assume that you found something else to uh, to kind of get by on. But uh, I didn't find much. Yeah, I was going to say I was <laughs> like that. <laughs> I don't know. If Scott Harvey's going to enjoy the the the. The, the delicacies out in Japan, but what, um, so let me ask you a tough one. I don't, I'm going to uh-huh. tread lightly here, but which one, which one was tougher losing 2016 us mid-am to Hagestad or not getting on that 2017 Walker cup team? You know, uh, uh, much tougher, not making the team, uh, yeah. for a lot of reasons. Um, I, I was, I'm actually okay with, with the 2016, the way the mid-am finals went, because, uh, I'm, I'm always okay with, with uh with losing like that I, if if someone gets hot and and beats me then that's fine I, i'm perfectly okay with it I've, that's just gonna happen it's happened before and it'll happen again when uh when i give it away you know if i start making doubles and buggies and triples and whatever and give something away that that's devastating yeah and that didn't happen so i'm perfectly good with that now with the walker cup team um the way that whole thing went down it's unfortunate uh, the way it happened. I've moved on. I'm I'm definitely a, a look forward, not backward kind of person. So sure. uh, I, I've I've moved on for sure. But but I mean that that was that was tough. And it's kind of unfortunate because I know that a lot goes into putting a, yourself in a spot where you can be chosen to be on that team. You know, you have you know mid-ams have less opportunities to you know, to get points and to get noticed as opposed to a college player where that has all these different amateurs. And plus you got to work for a living. You got to do a family of all these commitments. Um, That's right. How did you schedule yourself to put yourself in the best spot to, to get points, to get on that team and not just for that year, but in, in other years, like how do you make a schedule? You know, it's, it's, that's a great question. So you basically, I sat down and talked to my wife, Kim and and just said, you know, I want to make a run at the team again you know, this is what I'm thinking about playing in. Are you okay with this? And and she's great. She's okay with anything. And, and, you know, there's, there's some events that everybody knows are bigger than others and this, and that, and the other, but, 
you know, as far as scheduling is concerned, um, you know, you look at the Porter Cup and, the, you know, you got your big mid-am events that you want to play in. I, I was going to do the Northeast, but it qualified for the U.S. Open instead. And, and um, you know, there's you just set your schedule at what you can, especially as a mid-am. It just you can't do everything right. So you pick and choose the ones that are important to you and you just go with it. Well, I mean, you picked the right ones. I'm looking at just, I mean, I'm sure I'm going to miss something, but 2017, you qualified to play the U.S. Open. You win the Coleman, medalist at the Crump. You win the Thomas, which is held at the same course that the, the Walker Cup was played at, the L.A. Uh, uh, you know, the LA Country Club. But, um, yep. yeah, I, I, I guess things happen, right? Yeah, yeah, it is what it is. But, uh, you know, it's, it's over, and, and um, you know, and I've had some calls after winning the Coleman this week, being a Walker Cup year, and, and, and trying to get me to make another push. But I'm, we have a six-month-old baby at home, and I'm just – I'm not willing to um, – run the gauntlet so to speak to and, and kind of sacrifice time away from the family that much i mean i i'm gonna travel and play a little bit but i'm not gonna yeah well then there's the 2021 walker cup which is at seminole that's right so, that's right so and and it's not like uh you know there have been i mean mccoy was on the team in 2015 i believe he was about 52 53 years old so it's not uncommon it can't happen again so it can happen so, Scott, let's pivot actually away from Walker Cup. Let's pivot a bit to the PGA Tour. Your home course, Sedgefield Country Club. Um, I wanted to ask you this one. You know, when there is an odd number of players that make the cut at the Masters, they do lean on Jeff Knox to be the unofficial marker, and that guy is uh, just a, an absolute legend there at Augusta National. I'm sure you saw him, I believe, at the at the Coleman this, this past weekend. Um, yeah. Have, have you had the, any experience of – pros reaching out to you uh for a little bit of advice at sedgefield to get prepared for the Wyndham? i have uh i have um so i've played in the pro-am uh a couple different times and uh gotten a few questions from those guys i've had i've had guys that i've played uh you know younger pga pros that i played amateur golf with that you know when they're coming to play um they'll reach out and and ask me some things and whatever and you know it's 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 good but, but the reality is that you know they know what they're doing and, and yeah. you know, it's not, there's really no secret, right? Just keep it below the hole and, and, you know, keep it in bounds, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's, it, it's, it's just golf and, you know, they know it as, as good as, as anyone. So. And when you do see them at the pro-am or you see them, it, it, does that kind of give you another, uh, maybe the, the thought and, and the confidence knowing that you made the right decision to, to, regain your amateur status back i mean you mentioned the the lack of fun do, do they look like they're having uh all the fun in the world or is it just really hits you like wow these guys are at a job right now you know at at um at that level uh on, on the pga tour it's it's i think they're i think they're having fun and they're doing they're doing fine i, I but for me a big validation moment came as uh, after i got my amateur status back i went to I got in a playoff at the U.S. Open qualifier, uh, a local qualifier. This is several years ago. And um, I got in a playoff with some mini tour guys. There was about six of us in a playoff for a couple spots. And they wouldn't even, like, introduce – I mean, I wouldn't introduce myself. They wouldn't even speak. And it was just – I just really showed me how miserable they are. And, and you know, some of them are staying in their cars and – you know, eating sandwiches out of paper bags. And it's just, it's, and look, I mean, you do what you got to do and I'm not downing anyone, but, but if, if you're that miserable, it's just not worth it. Yeah. No, that, that makes perfect sense. 
Um, yeah. Well, I I know I, I know you gotta gotta jump real quick, so I just want to finish off with just one question here. You know, you're as I said, you're you're highly accomplished amateur. Um, you know, very tough to get to the level that you're at. Most people never get there. You know, I think a lot of people would be thrilled to break eighty every once in a while. Um, you know, kind of put your amateur golf hat on. Uh, what would you like to see? Uh, you know, what do you think are good things about amateur golf right now? Or what do you think could be changed in amateur golf to make the, to grow the game and have it reach more and more people? What, what could be more fun about golf? Hmm. That's a good question. So I, I think the biggest problem in golf is, is I think it's twofold. I think it's the time and the expense of it. Okay. So I think if there's, if, if there's, if there is a way, to cut down on the expense of golf because it's a very expensive habit yeah. um, or hobby, I should say. Uh, it's a very expensive hobby. And that would in itself would bring a lot more people into the game. Uh, but there are programs, first tee, you know, junior league, whatever, that that, that do help. I think pace of play is an, an issue uh, to help. Uh, they, they could, they could, they could uh, let people, you know, get out of work and go zip around nine holes and, or a quick 18 or, you know, on the weekends and still have the day to spend with their families. And, you know, th- th- those things could really help the game a lot. I think, I think there needs to be more uh, competitions for women, for women in the mid amateur game, because, yeah. you know, that that's a big void right there. You know, there's a, there's just really nothing for them to play for. Uh, now they got this Augusta national women's amateur, which is phenomenal. And um, it, it just need more things like that for them to play for after college because i mean what do they do after college they either turn pro uh and try to play or they just quit yeah no it's 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 sad no you're absolutely right it's one thing i talked to shannon johnson about she's the you know u.s women's mini-am champ and and i was actually a little bit bummed that she didn't get an invite to the augusta women's uh, women's amateur so oh wow i didn't know she didn't that that is sad yeah that is sad well scott you've been great i really do appreciate the time before i let you go you know i i really didn't ask you too many questions about your experience playing in the masters in 2015 i'm sure you've gotten a lot of questions about the course and magnolia lane but i wanted to hit on your experience at the crow's nest the amateur experience at the masters you know we you can hear stories about the champions dinner you know uh you know whether it's you know stories about you know Sam's needs raunchy jokes, and then Lord Byron Nelson just hiding under the table, asking him to please stop. But like, what what <laughs> what can you share about the amateur dinner and the amateur experience that you had when you played the Masters in 2015? It was really cool. You know the um, the amateur dinner. Um, I don't really have any stories about that. I mean, we, you know, everybody they went through every amateur that was there right. and uh, showed a video, and you had to stand up and talk and a little bit, which was great. But the um, and I stayed in the crow's nest only one night because I didn't want to be secluded from my friends and family that came down with me. Sure. And and but I, I did stay there with uh, Corey Connors, uh, was one of the guys there, and, and and we're sitting around with the guys, and 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 you know it's it's dark outside, it's real quiet, it's it's it's, it's an odd feeling almost because it's you know you're out there with thousands of people all day, and 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 you and you <laughs> you're sitting in there, and all of a sudden nothing's going on, you're totally secluded. Yeah. And, and everybody's like, well, what do we do? And I said, well, hell, I know what to do. I go downstairs and, and, uh, and I told one of the first person I could find to give us a 12 pack of quarters light. <laughs> you did not do that. I did. And they, and they said, absolutely be right back. And they, they brought us a 12 pack of quarters light and we sit up there in the crow's nest and told, and drank a few beers and told stories for a couple of hours. <laughs> that is the, 
Oh, that's so good. That's so yeah. good. Uh, and this is yeah. and this is Corey Connors who literally just. I mean, how crazy is? I, I think I mentioned to someone else. I said, you know, people are talking about Tiger's victory, the Masters, which is just so incredible. But um, and how it's going to kind of re-energize the game. But I actually think what Corey Connors did with basically Mondaying into the uh, the Texas Open, the Valero Texas Open. Yes. So he Mondays yes. into the Texas Open and then wins it, and now he's at the Masters. I actually think that is going to have more impact on every single grinder out there that's on the mini tours or on the, the Latin America tour or McKenzie. I mean, that's just incredible. It is. That is, I mean, Monday qualifying in itself is next to impossible, right? Sure. And then combine that with winning. I mean, that's that's crazy. Yeah. I mean, they, they plays in the Masters and makes the cut and actually has a really good week. Yes. I was texting with him a little bit during that week. And I, I said, you know, how does it feel to be playing as, as a pro? I mean, you're not getting free beer in the crow's nest. <laughs> <laughs> what, what did he say? What did he, say? He, he just laughed, just LOL. You know, he was oh, yeah. doing his own thing or whatever. Sure. So but he's a great guy. Yeah. Great guy. Well, Scott, listen, I really appreciate this. Uh, this has been a lot of fun. We, I feel we could probably do about two, three, four more episodes with you with all your stories, but I, I'm really glad you uh, joined us today. And, uh, and hopefully we'll do it again soon. So thanks for being here at the back of the range. Absolutely, Ben. I really appreciate you having me on, and we'll look forward to talking to you soon. And there you have it. Thanks so much to Scott Harvey for joining us this week here at the back of the range. I think we need to have him on again very, very soon. Don't forget, follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. All the information you need about this podcast, go to thebackoftherange.com, and we'll see you again next time here at the back of the range.